نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي اللهم اهد قلبي وسدد لساني واسلل سخيمه قلبي امين so how are you doing are you cold I heard last week people were very hot, so we thought it would be good to keep the room freezing cold. What do you say? No? If we don't have these fans on, you're going to be falling asleep. So if you feel cold, make sure you keep your like a shawl or a sweater or something with you in order to keep warm. Okay? Inshallah. So how are your groups today? What did you do in the group activity? Besides share your names and your background, anything else you did? You did the root letters? Okay, what else did you do? Okay, you discussed the du'as for knowledge. What else did you do? You did the word to word? Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. Did you do your homework? Yeah? How many of you were able to do your word to word lesson three times? Good. How many of you were able to do it four times? Five? Six? Seven? MashaAllah, very good. How many of you did it zero times? Oh, I don't want to look. Okay, how was it though? When you did your homework, when you reviewed the word-to-word translation, how long did it take you? 20 minutes? MashaAllah. What about you? Half an hour? Not bad. How about you, Shanze? 25, 30? So about half an hour? So if you do it seven times, inshallah, you will not forget it. Inshallah. You see... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-witr and He likes which numbers? Which numbers? Odd numbers. Right? One of the benefits is that if you think about it, seven is not that big and it's not that small of a number. Right? So if you get to review your material within six days, inshallah, seven times you will not forget it. I promise you. This is something that I've experienced myself. You know, when I did the course many years ago, my group in charge, by the way, our course was six days a week. Okay, you guys do it once a week. We did it six days a week. No Saturday break. Anyway, she would ask me in every group, did you do your lesson seven times? She wouldn't ask me, did you do your lesson? She would ask me, did you do your lesson seven times? And you know what that meant? If you did it six times, you would have to say? You would have to say? No. So out of that fear of saying no, we did it seven times every day. Alhamdulillah. And alhamdulillah, I still remember. So this is why I encourage you to make sure you do your lesson. How many times? Seven times, inshallah. Okay, I want you to open up your books to the beginning of Surah Al-Fatiha. We will do a review of the surah. And then inshallah we will move on to the next lesson. If anybody is sitting in class without a bench in front of them, I request you to please put a bag or something in front of you and put your book, this book, on that bag. Because this book, yes it is not the mushaf, it's not the whole Qur'an, but does it have verses of the Qur'an in it? Does it? It does, right? So when it comes to the Qur'an, what kind of a book is it? Whose book is it? Allah's. So what does it mean? We have to 
We have to treat it like any book. How do we have to treat it? With respect. And part of respecting it is that we don't put it on the ground. So put it on something, inshallah, in front of you. Alright, are you ready? Ready? Do you have your books open to the beginning of Surah Al-Fatiha? Okay. Now what we're going to do is, we're going to listen to the recitation of the whole surah, and then we are going to do a review. So are you ready for listening? Ready? Alright. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم يوم Al-Fatiha, the Prophet said in a hadith, we learn that Allah the Exalted says that I have divided the prayer between myself and my servant. And this hadith is in your book on the last page of Surah Al-Fatiha in the reflections page that the prayer is divided between who? Between Allah and His servant. And by the prayer, what is meant is Surah Al-Fatiha. So Surah Al-Fatiha Part of it is for Allah, meaning it praises and glorifies Allah. And the other part of the surah is for who? For the servant, for the worshiper. It is for us. Meaning in that part, we are asking Allah for something. So in the first half of Surah Al-Fatiha, we learn about who Allah is. And In the last part of the surah, we are asking Allah to guide us to the straight path. So let's look at the first part of the surah. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. All praise is for Allah who is the Lord of the worlds. He is Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, the most merciful, the entirely merciful, the especially merciful. And he is Maliki Yawmiddin. He is the master of the day of judgment, the sovereign of the day of judgment. Now in these three verses, we learn about four qualities, four descriptions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Four. And they begin with what? Alhamdu. That praise is for who? For who? For Allah. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His four attributes are mentioned. Attributes, by the way, means? What does attribute mean? Quality. Okay? Attribute means a quality. So for example, if I say, that boy is very patient. Very patient. Or for example, that girl is very hardworking. So hardworking is what? A quality, an attribute. Anyway. So four attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are mentioned. 
which tell us as to why we should praise Him and why we should thank Him. And what are those four qualities? First of all, Alhamdulillah. Who is He? Allah. And who is Allah? The God. The one deserving of worship. The one who is perfect and unique in every way. So there is no one like Him. No one like Him. The only one true God is who? Who is He? Allah. So Alhamdulillah. The second quality that is mentioned is Rabbil Alameen. Alhamdulillahi. Complete the ayah. Rabbil Alameen. Lord of the worlds. Now I told you the meaning of the word Rabb. What does Rabb mean? What does Rabb mean? Creator, owner and sustainer. Khaliq, Malik and Mudabbir. You see, Rabba is also to make something, make it so that, you know, for the first time it did not exist before. Make it, bring it into existence and then nurture it, provide for it, make it grow until it reaches what? Its state of completion. So think about yourself. Where were you? Where were you? A hundred years ago. Did you have any existence in this world? No. Have you ever heard of, you know, your parents telling you that 20 years ago we used to live in that city? You heard those things and you're like, oh, I missed it, man. It happens sometimes, right? Just this morning, my daughter, she said, remember when we used to live in the department? I'm like, no, apartment. Okay? And then what happened? I said, yes, we used to live there, but we used to live there. You weren't there at that time. And she was sad. I wasn't there. I missed it. So I'm sure you also hear about certain things that maybe your family did, your parents did, your grandparents did, and you weren't there before. You missed out completely. So who brought you here into this world when you didn't exist? Who brought you here? Who made you? Who? Allah. So Alhamdulillah for the blessing of life. For the blessing of existence. Of being here. And you see, Rabb is who? The one who brings into existence. And then what? Nurtures, provides, takes care, makes you grow. Think about it. How many times have you been to the grocery store? How many? Probably so many that you're bored of it. How many of you enjoy going for groceries, by the way? Wow. MashaAllah. I have to drag myself to the grocery store. But anyway, why do we have to go there so often? Why? Because the food that we get, we eat it up. Isn't it? And then we need more. How many times do you go shopping for clothes? At least a couple times a year, isn't it? How often do you tell your parents, I need new shoes, man, my, my shoes are tight. Before school starts. Even if those shoes fit, they're kind of old, and you want those new ones. So you say, my shoes are tight, I need new ones. So, Rabb is who? The one who provides you with everything that you need, everything that you enjoy, everything that you use. 
It came to you how and why? Because Allah gave it to you. He sent it for you. And there are things on which our life depends. Meaning if we don't have them, we cannot live. Like for example, for example, what are those things which if we don't have, we die? Oxygen. Anything else? Yes? Water and food. Right? But if you think about it, we don't just need these basic things for survival. Do we need some other things also? Like what? Clothes, shelter, what else? How about like people around you? Family? Friends? A community? Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Everything you have in your life, whether it is a necessity or a luxury, something that you must use or something that you enjoy using, it came to you from where? From who? From Allah. And you see, there are things that we use and we don't even know about. We don't even realize. We cannot even keep count of it. Like for example, if I asked you, how many apples have you had in your life? Could you give me a number? No. If I asked you, how much air do you breathe in every minute? You can give me an estimate of like how many breaths you take, but you can't tell me about how much air you're taking in. And if we start talking about the body, what's happening inside our body, how our body is working all the time, whether we're sleeping or we're walking or we're hiking or we're sitting, no matter what we're doing, our body is constantly working. How many systems there are in our body? But I mean, so much is going on in the body, right? So who made it? Who is making it work? Do you have control over your heart? No. Do you have control over your digestive system? No. Do you have control over your nervous system? You don't. It's all functioning because there is a provider, Rabb. So Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Now think about this. He didn't just make you. He didn't just provide you. He didn't just make you grow. But who else? Who else? Al-Alameen. Every single creature. Every single creature. I was watching this video clip the other day about these deep sea creatures. How it's like a world that is hidden away from us. So deep sea creatures, you know, they're living at a level where there's no sunlight. No light at all. Just imagine. Pitch darkness. And on top of that, it's very cold. But there are creatures that live there. How do they find their way? How do they survive? Who made them there? And who provided them over there? Who did that? Allah. You know, Musa alayhi salam, Fir'aun asked him that, who is this God that you're talking about? And Musa alayhi salam said, أَلَّذِي أَعْطَى كُلَّ شَيْءٍ خَلْقَهُ Complete the ayah, Hufaz. أَلَّذِي أَعْطَى كُلَّ شَيْءٍ خَلْقَهُ ثُمَّ Anybody? أَلَّذِي أَعْطَى كُلَّ شَيْءٍ خَلْقَهُ ثُمَّ ثُمَّ هَدَى 
the one who gave every creature its form meaning he created it and then he also guided it so he guided every creature where it should live what it should eat where it should find shelter where it should migrate to where it should lay its eggs where it should build its home summa hada so alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin now say alhamdulillah alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin so all praise for allah because he is the lord of the worlds the third attribute that we learn here is that he is ar-rahman ar-rahim that he's merciful so alhamdulillah always at all times because our lord is who who is he merciful kind affectionate forgiving loving caring from whom we will always receive good he is ar-rahman ar-rahim so then what does it mean no matter what disaster happens in our lives big or small if our lord is ar-rahman ar-rahim should we be hopeful we should not be hopeful we're talking about allah so i want you to give me right answers don't give me wrong answers just to be funny okay yes why should we be hopeful why give me an example of some catastrophe some disaster raise your hand and tell me something very painful very hard very difficult alhamdulillah he mentioned that he had to go to the hospital once and when he got there he found out that he needed surgery now think about it going for surgery that's scary isn't it you know that maybe you won't be conscious right you know that maybe they're going to cut you up and you don't know how much you're going to hurt afterwards and how long you'll be in bed and when you'll be able to get up and play and when you'll be able to go to school and when your life will be back to normal so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says he teaches us alhamdulillah right meaning that no matter what's happening we have to praise and thank allah so at a time when you're having surgery why should we say alhamdulillah because allah is Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. He is merciful. That if you're having surgery, we should be hopeful that inshallah, this will be good for me. Inshallah, this will make me better. This will cure me. Alhamdulillah, that this option is available. Can you tell me about some other problem? Okay, like a natural disaster. earthquake flood hurricanes tornadoes and there is what you know landslides and avalanches and people die and properties are ruined and alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin at that time why because you survived okay allah is all knowing and he knows best why he decided that why he allowed that to happen okay why else you see people ask questions like if there is a god why do bad things happen have you heard that 
people ask that, right? And I mean, shaitan even puts that in your heart. That we're Muslims and we're supposed to be, you know, people on the truth and we have the right religion and Muslims are banned? What's going on? Like they're actually banned now. Aren't we supposed to be the people on the truth? We're supposed to be Muslim, we have Islam, so you know, life should be perfect for us. What's going on? My question first, that why do bad things happen? Why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow bad things to happen? How should we remember His mercy over there? Okay, Allah is testing us, yes. What else? No matter what is happening, we will always praise and thank Allah. You know why? Because Allah is merciful. Which means that if He's given us a difficulty, with that difficulty, He's also given us some ease. If He's put us in hardship, He's also taught us how to get out of it. And that hardship will be what? It will be good for us. It will make us better. It will make us stronger. Have you heard of people going to the gym and saying, my arms were literally burning. Why is that burning necessary? Because that is what's going to make you stronger. And if you say, no, 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 I'm just going to work out as long as my arms don't burn, then you're not really working out. Isn't it? When Allah puts us in difficulty, we must remember His mercy. And because of that, we say, Alhamdulillah. Because that difficulty will be good for us. It will make us stronger. There's some benefit that is going to come out of it. There's some good that will come out of it. So, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. So, all praise to Allah because He is Allah. He is Rabbil Alameen. Then He is merciful. And then fourthly, Maliki Yawmiddin. He is the master, the sovereign of the day of judgment. So this is why we praise him and worship him because we have to go back to him. Who owns us? Allah owns us. Can we run away from him? No. Can you say like, you know what, I quit. I think I'm just gonna go live on Mars. No. You can't go there, and even if you did, even Mars belongs to who? Maliki Yawmiddin. We have to go back to Him. So we praise Him for these four reasons. Then we read, إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ You alone we worship and you alone we ask for help. Do you notice something here? You alone we worship. Why do we worship Allah alone? Why not somebody else as well? Like maybe a human being or something else. Because Allah is the creator. He is the owner. He is the most merciful. He is the one that we're going back to. So does it make sense then that we should dedicate our worship to somebody else? When they didn't make us, they don't own us, they cannot harm us or benefit us, and we're not answerable to them. Does it make sense then that we should worship them? No. إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ Remember that worship is the highest form of humility and submission. And only Allah is worthy of it. Because He alone made us. And you see, إِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ You alone we ask for help. Why do we 
ask Allah for help. That because humans have, people have limited ability. They can help us, but they can't fully help us. Isn't it? They can empathize. They can say, oh, I feel so bad. I wish I could help you. And sometimes they even try to help you. But has it happened? They're helping us, but they're actually making more problems for us. So you're like, oh, thank you for your help. Now notice something. Seeking help is mentioned right after worship. See that? We worship you and we seek help from you. Do you think there's any connection between worship and seeking help? The thing is that we cannot worship Allah without His help. If He doesn't help us, we cannot worship Him. When you come here to study the Qur'an, is that a form of worship? It is, right? And especially because you're doing it in a masjid. It's not like salah, but it's another form of worship. So, can you come here without Allah's help? You know, so many people are on the wait list. So many people are on the wait list and they want to get into the course but they're not able to because the program is full. So they have to wait. So if you got a chance to not just enroll and register but you got your spot in this course and now you're sitting here in class in the first, second, third or whichever row, you were able to do this with whose help? Allah's help. إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ So we ask Allah for help. That, oh Allah, make this easy for me. Make this journey of knowledge easy for me. That on Saturday morning, shaitan doesn't overpower me. And say that, oh it's okay, you had a difficult week, so just one day, you know, it's okay, take off. Or when it comes time to do my homework, I get lazy. No, oh Allah, help me. Or that when we're sitting in class, we don't understand something. We're not able to write it. Or we write it and later we're like, what did I write? Or we memorize our lesson and then later on we cannot remember it. So, oh Allah, make this easy for me. إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ اِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمُ Guide us to the right path. If you think about it, this is a dua that Allah is teaching us. Right? He's teaching us a dua, something that we should ask Him for. And out of all the things we're asking for, we could be asking for, what is it that we ask Allah for over here? Guidance. The dua is not, Oh Allah, give us wealth. Give us health. Even though wealth and health are important. Aren't they? They are. The dua we are taught to make is for what? For guidance. Why? Because when a person receives guidance, then he becomes a righteous person. And when he is righteous, when a person has taqwa, then what happens? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provides him from where the person doesn't even expect. And Allah makes a way out for him from every difficulty. Then basically all his problems are solved. All his matters are taken care of. When? When a person has hidayah. Write this down. When a person is guided, 
And he's got everything. When a person is guided, then all his problems are solved in this world and in the hereafter. She must be like, I know somebody who's very righteous, very nice, but they're going through a lot of problems. What do I mean by problems are solved? Hmm? Have you ever seen like a three-year-old crying because their doll broke? Have you ever seen a child who's crying because their drink fell? Have you ever seen a kid throwing a tantrum in Walmart? Has it ever happened? Maybe you've done it. What do you say at that time? What is wrong with these kids, man? Grow up. It's just a drink. It's just a toy. Isn't it? But for that child, what is that toy? What is that toy? It's everything to them. And if they don't have it, or if it has broken, or if it is lost, or they cannot buy it, are they happy? No, they're miserable. And they will not just cry for a minute or two. They will cry until their parents take them out of the store. And you can even hear them crying in the parking lot. So why is it that that toy is not a big deal to you, but it's such a big deal for them? Why? Because you are older. It happens with you as well. You go to the store, you say, Mom, can I buy this? And she says, no, beta. No, you can't have it. Do you cry over there? I hope you grow up soon. <laughs> but I'm sure you don't do a tantrum, do you? Maybe you did in the past, but now you don't, I hope. So this is how it is. That when a person has guidance, then Allah guides their heart. And when Allah guides their heart, what it means is that no matter what they're going through, they can deal with it. They're at peace. They can handle it. So this is why, اِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمُ Oh Allah, guide us to the straight path. If a person has guidance, only then they are successful. If a person has guidance, only then they're successful in this world and in the hereafter. And you see, this life in the world is very short. Isn't it? It's very short. 80 years, 100 years maximum. Maybe a little more, a little less. But what is 100 years compared to a thousand? Compared to infinity? It's less. It's very little. It's like zero, exactly. A hundred years versus infinity is like what? Nothing. It has no value. The hereafter, paradise, is for how long? Eternity. Forever. When a person is guided, only then they can make it to paradise. So, اِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمُ Oh Allah, guide us to the straight path. Show us the right path. And remember, we need guidance more than we need food. We need guidance more than we need good clothes. Do you understand what I'm saying? A person can survive without three meals a day. Can they? Yes, they can. If a person gets food here, there, if they're a homeless person, they find a good meal one day, another day they just find some leftovers, another day they just find a little bit, they won't die. Isn't it? Yes, they'll be malnutritioned, yes, they'll be unhealthy, but they'll survive. But if a person does not have guidance, can they survive through this difficult life? 
This life is difficult. Can they survive in the hereafter? No, they cannot. So, اِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ O Allah, guide us to the straight path. The path that you like. And you see, when we say, اِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ What we're asking is, O Allah, guide us to the path of Islam. Make us firm on it. And also, in everything we do in our lives, guide us to the right choices. Has it ever happened in your life that you're confused? You don't know whether you should take biology or you should take calculus. Huh? You don't know whether you should go to this school or that school. You have all these difficult decisions to make. So, اِهْدِنَ الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ Oh Allah, guide us to the right path. Guide us to the right decision. اِهْدِنَ الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ I want you to look at the surah from the beginning. In the first part of the surah, what are we doing? Praising Allah. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim Maliki Yawmi Al-Deen Iyyaka Na'budu Wa Iyyaka Nasta'een And then we make dua. اِهْدِنَ الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ So what do we learn about making dua? How should we make dua? Oh Allah, please give me this. Oh Allah, I really want this. Yeah? And then we say, Yeah, I made dua, but I don't know. How should we make dua? When we make dua, we should begin with what? Praising Allah. We should say something like, Surah Al-Fatiha. Or we should say something like, Subhanallahi, walhamdulillahi, wa la ilaha illallah. Right? We should say something like, La ilaha illallah even. Any dhikr, any statement of dhikr, if we can say, to praise Allah, then we should make dua. You know, we learned that once a man came into the masjid, he performed the prayer and he said, Oh Allah, forgive me. Oh Allah, have mercy on me. And the Prophet ﷺ said that you have rushed. You have rushed. So that man was kind of confused that how have I rushed? And the Prophet ﷺ said that when you are making dua, then what, what should you do? First praise Allah. First praise Allah. Then send salat on the Prophet. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. And then make dua. So what are the three steps? First, praise Allah. Second, send salat on the Prophet. And third, make dua. اِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ The straight path. Have you heard of a, a path, a bridge that we have to go on in the hereafter? Yeah? Where is that bridge? that we have to cross on the Day of Judgment. What is it called? Surat. Surat means path. Right? But where is that path? Over hellfire. Do you know anything about that path? What kind of a path is it? What kind of a bridge is it? Fine and thin as a hair and sharp like a blade or a sword. Can you imagine? If we have to cross a bridge like that in this world, would we be able to cross it? No. 
But you know, each person will be given their own speed and their own light on the Day of Judgment to cross that bridge. And some people will cross that bridge in the blink of an eye. Did you just blink your eyes? Yeah. Just imagine, that fast. Some people will cross that bridge like a flash of lightning. Have you ever seen lightning in the sky? Yeah? What happens? You see a big flash, or you see a beautiful pattern, or a very scary pattern, reaching the ground, and then what happens? You take a second look and it's gone. Maybe you can see it in your head, but it's not there in the sky anymore. Flash. Some people will cross the bridge a little slower than that. And some people will fall. They will not be able to cross the bridge. Now the thing is, that the way a person goes on the straight path in this world, is the way that they will cross that bridge in the next world. The straight path in this world is what? What Allah wants us to do. So how do we do what Allah wants us to do? Do we do it sometimes? Like, yeah, for one day we'll pray and then for a week we'll forget about it. Would you ever do that on a bridge that's thinner than hair and sharper than a blade? Would you ever do that? That one step you put on the bridge and then your next step you're like, oh, I'm too lazy. You know what the result of that laziness will be, right? The way we live Islam today is how we will cross that bridge on the Day of Judgment. اِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ صِرَاطَ الَّذِينَ أَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ The path of those that, O oh Allah, You favored them. You were happy with them. غَيْرَ الْمَغْضُوبِ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا الضَّالِّينَ Not the path of those on whom you were angry, and not the path of those who went astray. Three types of people are mentioned here. One, the first category is the people whose path we want to be upon. The second category is, we don't want to be like them. And the third category, we don't want to be like them. So who are those that we don't want to be like? Al-Maghdub and Al-Dalleen. Who are Maghdub? Those who got Ghadab. I told you about Ghadab. What is Ghadab? What kind of anger is it? What kind of anger is Ghadab? You told them what to do, but they didn't do it anyway. You told them about what they should not do. You stopped them from something and they did it. Anyway, so will you be angry at a person like that? If you tell your brother, don't touch my glasses. And then he's like, uh. <laughs> what would you do? Will you laugh like you laughed right now? Have you ever fought with your siblings? Have you ever yelled at them? Yeah. Why do we fight? And why do we yell? And why do we get angry? Because the other person is not listening to you. You told them a hundred times not to do something, but they don't care about what you told them. You see, there are people who learn about what Allah wants them to do. They know the rules, but they don't care about them. And such people will get Allah's anger. 
So we're asking Allah to protect us from becoming like them. That we learn the meaning of Surah Fatiha, we learn the meaning of Surah Al-Baqarah, and then what happens to us? We go against it anyway. We don't follow it. Oh Allah, protect us. We don't want to be like that. غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين هو الضالين Those who are gone astray. Why? Because they didn't know. You see, ضال is a person who gets lost. Meaning he's going the wrong way. Why? Because he doesn't know. He doesn't know where to go. Now imagine a person is doing something wrong and they don't even realize they're doing something wrong. And they keep doing it wrong. Imagine. What a huge loss. So, غَيْرِ الْمَغْضُوبِ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا الضَّالِّينَ Now what happens is, what we see here, is that there are two reasons, two things that take a person away from the right path. What are those two things that take a person away from the right path? Firstly, it is pride, arrogance. Yeah, I know I'm supposed to eat with the right hand, but who cares? Yeah, I know I'm supposed to pray, but I don't want to. I know I'm supposed to speak the truth and respect and, you know, be careful about my speech, but I don't want to. Why? I don't feel like it. I don't want to. This is pride and stubbornness. And people who are stubborn and they're proud, then what happens? They're not on the right path. The second thing is what? That takes a person away from the right course? Ignorance. What is ignorance? What is ignorance? Ignorance is when you don't know about something. When you don't know about it. Like for example, a person doesn't even know that they're supposed to pray. A person doesn't even know that Allah is one. A person doesn't even know that they'll be held accountable on the Day of Judgment. This is ignorance. And because they don't know, they're doing so many wrong things. So, غَيْرَ الْمَغْضُوبِ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا What do we say? Ameen. Okay. I want you to look at the slide now. Okay? At the screen. Surah Al-Fatiha. You see at the top, Alhamdu Lillah. All praises for Allah. Why? Because He is Rabbil Alameen. And then, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. And, Maliki Yawmiddin. Alhamdulillah, when? When do we praise Allah? When do we thank Allah? Yes? All the time, in every situation. Can we remember this? Even if you're having a really bad day. You know we say, I'm having the worst day of my life. Have you ever said that? I had a bad day. Have you heard that? No day is bad for the person who believes in Allah. No day is bad. Every day is good. Because Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Okay. The next part of the surah, إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ Who are we? And who is Allah? Who is Allah? The one who deserves our worship. The only one who can help us. So whose servants are we? Who do we ask for help? Allah. What do we ask for? Ihdina, guide us to As-Sirat al-Mustaqim. Which path is that? Of Alladina an'amta alayhim.
not maghdub alayhim and not dalleen. Let's listen to the recitation of the surah again. Okay, I want you to stand up now. Open up your book to the beginning of Surah Al-Fatiha and follow along quietly. Remember the rules of listening? What are the rules of listening to the Qur'an? No talking and? Can you be like no talking but not there? Like you're thinking about something else? No. There's two things remember. Firstly, listen to it. And secondly, be quiet. Right? Observe silence. Ready? أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم Question about Surah Al-Fatiha? Yes. Good question. Why is it that Bismillah rahman rahim is the first ayah? Do you see that in your book? And sometimes you find it like that, that Bismillah rahman rahim is considered the first ayah. Yes, in some Mus'hafs you will see that, in some uh, copies of the Qur'an you will see that. Surah Al-Fatiha has how many verses? Seven. So the Prophet ﷺ, when the Qur'an was given to him, how was it given to him? In a written form? Was it given in written form? How was it given? In an oral form. It was recited to him. And yes, he knew that there are seven verses. And that is what he taught the people. But when the people wrote the Qur'an and they wanted to put the end markings, like where each ayah ended, so some people thought that Bismillah is the first ayah and that is how Surah Al-Fatiha is seven verses. And some said that no, Bismillah is not the first ayah. It's just what you recite at the beginning of every surah. Except for which surah? Good, Surah At-Tawbah. And then the last verse, Surat Al-Ladina An'amta Alayhim, that verse, in some copies of the Qur'an you will see that it's one ayah and in some copies of the Qur'an you will see it divided into two. Okay? So basically, Surah Fatiha has seven verses. Okay? Some count Bismillah as a first verse. Some do not. But does it change the text at all? Does it change the text at all? No, it doesn't. Does it change the meaning at all? No, it doesn't. It just depends on where you are beginning and where you are ending. Clear? Okay. Any other question? What if a person chooses to remain ignorant. Like they say, I don't want to learn. I don't want to know what God says. I don't want to know about the hereafter, day of judgment. Don't tell me. Is that a form of arrogance? Yes, it is. Because here is a person who knows the truth is out there, but he says, oh, don't tell me. 
I don't care. So now it's not just ignorance, it is also arrogance. And that is also problematic. Many people will say ignorance is bliss. Don't learn about the Qur'an so that you don't know what you're supposed to do and then you're good. Because you don't know. So it doesn't apply to you. It still applies to you. You know why? Because you're a human being. God made you, gave you mind, gave you a brain, gave you an intellect. So you are responsible to find out. Can you say things like, yeah, I'm a Canadian, but I don't know what my responsibilities and my rights are as a Canadian. You should know. Because if a person ends up committing something wrong, committing a crime, something that is illegal in the country, can they say, oh, I didn't know? You should have known. 